Welcome to the Lemper Report Live. On today's broadcast, New York Attorney General aims to do something about corporate profiteering. Albertson's new healthy food campaign, a dangerous precedent for weight loss, Black Americans are leading the vegan movement, a new fight against hunger, just when we need it the most, and on the bullseye, Starbucks follows Bulletproof down a drizzly path. But first, Whole Foods is now accepting applications for its 2023 Local and Emerging Brands Accelerator Program. It's a great opportunity for brands to learn from Whole Foods experts, get financial support, and hopefully get on the shelves in Whole Foods. It's a six-month program. Check for the link just below the video on YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn to apply. Good luck. Check out Food News Today on SupermarketGuru.com for the most up-to-the-minute news feed, courtesy of our partnership with Zizen. Let's get started. So, Sally, uh, some, some good news for consumers, maybe. Uh, Letitia James of New York Attorney General fame um, has proposed rules to protect us consumers and small businesses from corporate profiteering. Um, in particular, one of the things that she's against is dynamic pricing. Uh, dynamic pricing being the fact that whether you'd be a restaurant or even a grocery store, that you would change prices based on activity, wh whether it's a shortage of product, whether it's you're busy or not so busy. Um, so what do you think about this? Well, Phil, I mean, dynamic pricing is something that a lot of us are accustomed to with um, with purchasing flights or or you know hotels. We know that those those numbers can fluctuate at different times that you look look them up. Um, but you know, our food is something that we absolutely need. This is an essential good, and so um, it can feel like to consumers, I believe, that this is this is. Um, inequitable this is this is contributing to an inequitable food system um you know allowing for you know those high demand times those prices to go up you know that only some people can afford and then at those um times when you know people are not buying or ordering food as much that price coming down and um captera um has a uh, new report new study the 2023 dynamic pricing in restaurant survey um, and what they found is 81% of consumers check menu prices always or often before they choose where to eat. 51% have stopped patronizing a preferred restaurant due to recent price increases. And 65% of consumers say that dynamic pricing would make the decision of where and when to eat more difficult. 63% says it makes it harder to budget their spending on restaurants. To, to your point, I think it's absolutely absurd. Um, you know, um, I'm all for um, fairness uh, to consumers. I think that dynamic pricing, and we're hearing more and more about stories like this, um, it's just a way to rip off people. I'm not sure what advantage consumers really have. So good for Letitia James. Um, talking about... Um, uh, talking about supermarkets, um, Albertsons has a new brand um, campaign called Sincerely, uh, Sincerely Food. 
They're saying it's one more way we're connecting with our customers as we create a more personal, engaging customer experience that embodies our values as a longstanding neighborhood grocer. That's according to their EVP and chief merchandising officer, Jen Sense. Um, to me, I I don't get this. Um, I just really don't. I mean, what they're doing is is they're going across all their banners. They're trying to make it more local. Um, they're trying to build a more emotional connection with customers. Certainly the timing is suspect for me as we're seeing this Kroger-Albertson's uh, merger uh, proceeding. Um, I, I just don't think, and maybe I'm missing something, but I just don't think that this campaign is going to do much for them or consumers. They're talking about having, you know, each banner has a unique history. Um, you know, they, they have, and, and also Albertsons has Safeway, Tom Thumb, Pavilions, Acme, Randalls, Hagen, um, you know, so, some other banners. Well, but, you know, one of the campaigns they have is the Art of Fresh. So they have um, a little girl with uh, raspberries on top of her fingers and it says we're sweet on you too sincerely berries what they're what they're doing is they're having their food talk um and i just think it's like really weird i'll, I'll say one more thing <laughs> and um they they have one called sincerely convenience so the food talks and it says, hey there, it's me, food. Whenever you need me, I'm ready for you. I, I, what am I missing here? Well, you know, I actually really like this campaign. And the reason I like this campaign for them is that I think that they are really going for um, showing more uh, lifestyle and the shoppers reaction to the enjoyment that food gives them. And if we follow trends in digital media and video, our modern consumers seem to enjoy this human component, you know, with all the emotions and the feels. I think about the dog, the, the, the dog food ad that ran for the Super Bowl and how people responded so positively to that because it, it, it called on their emotions. So maybe that's what they're going for. Um, whether or not people will pick up on that, it will affect them that way, I guess is to be seen. Yeah, I mean, they have another one called um, Sincerely Food. Chose a variety of foods, strawberry steak, a store-made cake, seafood, and an entree, uh, voicing their thoughts on their important. Again, the food is talking on the video to store associates, shoppers, and customers. And I'll quote, hey, it's me, food. I'm so much more than just what we eat. Okay, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I, you know, um, and, and to your point about social media in more, um, their 2023 Spring Trends Guide uh, that just came out last week, a uh, week or so ago, finds that 52% of shoppers surveyed find grocery purchase inspiration on social media, to your point, um, nearly the same percentage as those saying in-store displays prompt their purchases. So I could be wrong on this, but I think it's a lame campaign. Albertsons, you should do better. Um, talking about something that's very serious and of very serious concern, 
there's this trend, uh, certainly here in California, but it's going throughout the entire country, that now, in order to lose weight, um, celebrities and non-celebrities are using uh, the, these diabetes drugs, uh, in particular Ozempic, and that costs um, on the open market about $900 a month, on the black market about $625 um, a month. It lowers blood sugar levels, so that's great for diabetic, uh, but also it cuts your appetite so you don't eat and drink as much. And there's this trend that all these people are trying to get um, Ozempic so that they can lose weight. Uh, some of the side effects, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and constipation. And there's one person who was quoted in this story uh, in thecut.com. It's kind of like being on a very low dosage of Adderall without that crack feeling. I mean, come on. Um, and and probably, and there's, there's uh, a couple other diabetes drugs that are doing the same thing. And it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially since when you stop taking it, your hunger comes back. So you're talking about a lifelong drug um, to lose 10 pounds or 15 pounds or 20 pounds and how this, um, how this has gotten this kind of traction. Uh, Komodo Health, uh, who tracks healthcare data for 330 million patients, notes an uptick in people with no prior record of diabetes receiving these drugs, a fourfold increase here in California alone. What do you think? Phil, I, I think this is very upsetting. We have come a long way with body positivity and our culture becoming more attuned with health rather than the size of our bodies. This is reckless on the part of the drug maker, um, those who prescribe it, and those who are taking the drug. It's, it, it could create supply issues for diabetics that really need it. Um, the cost of the drug is an issue. Uh, we already have a, a really high cost of diabetes drugs in this country um, for people who really need it. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is, is, is a major issue. And I, you know, those in the food world um, that have already, be, already been um, talking about body positivity and health and um, using people like, you know, plus size women like Lizzo to represent Instacart, um, I, I encourage them more to, um, to stay on that trend, you know, to help those people, people learn how to eat healthy with actual food and um, not taking drugs like this. And changing your behavior. I mean, the, the funny thing when I read this story is um, when, whenever something happens, um, there's, there's another effect that you wouldn't expect. So in New York, uh, there's this uh, dermatologist, Dr. Paul Jared Frank, um, who has coined the phrase Ozempic face meaning the aging effects that sudden weight loss can have. So basically what Dr. Frank is doing is treatments to smooth and contour the newly wrinkled and the use of injectable fillers to replump the newly sunken face. So, you know, besides losing the weight and spending 900 bucks a month, um, what you're also going to have to do is get plastic surgery because you look like hell. So... I, I don't know. I agree with you. I think it's totally antithetical to what we're trying to do as it relates to health and wellness. Food is medicine. It just doesn't make sense. And 
for a lot of these people to to be taking this just to lose weight. And yes, I understand we're in a social media world where everybody wants to, you know, have great pictures of themselves on Instagram and Facebook and so on. But this is dangerous stuff. Um, and and with that, there is a um, a new um, trend um, that that really I'm excited about. Um, you know, veganism is not new, but the fact that Black communities are leading the vegan revolution um is is really great um what what i find is the average life expectancy of a black american six years lower than the overall population which is driving a lot of the black americans to a vegan diet um and over the past 10 years reports show that black americans were nearly three times more likely to follow a vegan diet um 31%, according to Gallup, of non-white respondents cut back their meat consumption um, in 2021 um, as compared to 19% of white respondents. So the fact is that, you know, historically, uh, Black Americans have had, you know, a more of a vegan diet to begin with. It's ramping up. And this is kind of cool in my mind. What do you think? I think this is wonderful, um, particularly considering all of those things you said, there is a health crisis in the Black communities with, with um, heart disease and poor that is related to poor diet, and that is also related to accessibility. But it is great to see, um, see that, you know, that Black Americans are embracing this type of diet, and it's really great to see that it's coming from, um, it, it's been coming from a long time from celebrities, um, early hip-hop culture. Um, we've seen it in um, with uh, celebrities, celebrity athletes like Venus Williams. And so, you know, there are a lot of leaders in that community that are using their platform to promote this type of healthy eating. And, you know, you don't have to be full vegan to sometimes eat vegan and to eliminate, you know, as much, not eat as much meat. So whatever happened to that Snoop Dogg commercial for Dunkin' Donuts when they were pushing that plant-based uh, breakfast sandwich? I haven't seen that around for a while. I haven't seen that either. I don't know. But Snoop is always, you know, he's been in the involved in the food world and, and making an impact for a while. Yep. Him and Martha Stewart. Unlikely mm -hmm. pair, but I, yes. love their, I, love, <laughs> I love what they did. Um, let's talk about hunger. So Publix, um, one of, in my opinion, one of the best retailers, grocery retailers in the nation is hosting their first hunger summit. Um, this is to address growing food insecurities. Um, they, they are really saying that in the Southeast part of the country, there are more than 7 million people who are food insecure. Over the past decade, they've donated $46 million to nonprofits for hunger. Um, this hunger summit is bringing together U.S. representatives, three dozen food bank organizations, USDA Publix experts, and the Florida Agriculture Commissioner um, to ha have an open dialogue to share the best practices to talk about how we can all work together to help hunger in our community. This is great, but it just doesn't stop there. there. There's more hunger stories. Tell us about that. 
There are, you know, and there are a lot of, once again, we're seeing celebrities get involved with the um, United Nations World uh, Food Program, which is really bringing a lot of awareness to global food insecurity. Um, the Weeknd, Kate Hudson, Michael Kors are all high level supporters. And most recently I read about Aton Bernath, who has partnered with the United Nations for World Food Program to help raise money. And he's got 10 million followers on his um, social media accounts. And he's so interesting because um, I believe he was on the show um, Chopped uh, yep. when he was 11 years old. Um, so young to be on a show and to succeed, be succeeding um, at such a young age in the food world. Um, so it's really, really great to once again, you know, to see these celebrities and these influencers using their platform for a great cause. Absolutely. And he's only 20. And can you imagine what he's going to accomplish by the time he's 30? Um, yes. If he's got 10 million followers now, it's great. We need more people like him, like The weekend, to, to really be pushing um, and prevent hunger. Uh, certainly, you know, what we've seen is we've seen from uh, the administration really trying to get behind solving the hunger problem um, over by 2030, I think they've said, um, they have major retailers who have embraced it. They're giving more food to food banks. They're, they're really doing a great job. And part of that is also the new food code. I shouldn't say new. The food code actually started in 1934. So it's not new, uh, but it comes out every two years. And, and what's interesting to me is what, what they want to do is they want to eliminate waste. They want to have standards, if you would, on how retailers and restaurants can give food um, to whether it's food banks or other communities. The problem that I've got with this, it is actually 663 pages. So we've, we've put a link in the chat. So if you want to download all 663 pages, you can. But when we when we have that, um, it becomes overwhelming, in my opinion, whether it's a retailer or a restaurant to be able to comply with this. I mean, how do you read 663 pages? Um, I started going through it. I mean, there, there are basics that um, holding temperatures, how to cook, um, not undercooking to eliminate contaminated equipment, food that comes from unsafe sources, poor personal hygiene. My concern is that I don't think it's written in a way that people can understand it and accept it. I mean, you need to be a scientist to read these 633 or 663 pages um, to get through it. Uh, I'd really much rather see, and I know the government has to do this stuff and they've got to, you know, really make sure all the facts are correct and so on. I'd like them to come up with a cheat sheet that's maybe two or three pages that they can give to supermarkets and to restaurants on how to comply. Because otherwise, you know, you look at this and you go, whoa, this is going to take a lot of work to do. 
Right. And then they're too afraid to uh, to donate that food because they're afraid that they're not complying and that they might be liable for some situation. So, yes, we do need to make it easier for um, producers of food, people who sell food, you know, in, in different types of business to um, donate that food whenever they can. So it does not go to waste. Yeah, 40 percent of all of our food is wasted. We need to curb that. Um, no question. A lot of people are hungry, um, especially now with the rollback of the SNAP benefits. We're under more pressure than ever before to ease that burden of hunger. And um, I applaud what the Biden administration is doing. But let's make it a little bit easier uh, for, for people. Thanks, Sally. On today's bullseye, right across the street from our offices on Main Street here in Santa Monica, Dave Asprey opened the first Bulletproof Cafe store. You might remember the story. Asprey was hiking in Tibet, weak as can be, and was given yak butter in tea by an old Tibetan woman and was supposedly instantly refreshed. He came back to the States and developed his recipe over a six-year period for Bulletproof Coffee. It consists of low-mold coffee, grass-fed butter or ghee, and coconut oil. The hype promised everything from raising your IQ, increasing your energy, burning away the fat around your middle, and of course, increasing your libido. The Bulletproof Cafe has closed since there were hardly any customers going there after all the hype settled. I tasted it when it first opened, and frankly, being a black coffee drinker, I practically gagged and thought it tasted awful. Even if you could raise my IQ, wasn't worth it. So you might think that Howard Schultz of Starbucks fame would be smart enough to retire this time. He says this time it's for real without having his legacy further decimated by introducing Oleato, extra virgin olive oil infused coffee drinks. He said in a press release that the idea came to him on a recent trip to Sicily as he was sipping a teaspoon of olive oil every morning alongside his cup of coffee. We don't know if it was Starbucks coffee or Italian coffee. He said that in both hot and cold beverages, what the combo produced was unexpected. Velvety, buttery flavor that enhanced the coffee and lingers beautifully on the palate. There is an oleato latte with oat milk and olive oil, an oleato ice shaken espresso with oat milk, hazelnut flavor and olive oil, and the oleato golden foam cold brew. It's already being sold in Italy and will be introduced here in Southern California, in the UK, Middle East, and Japan starting this spring. Starbucks EVP and Chief Marketing Officer Brady Brewer told CNN that they are betting that people will hear about the concoction and try it because they want to know what it tastes like. Seriously? That from a Chief Marketing Officer? Now, he's been in Starbucks for 22 years. Before that, tech with Microsoft. I'm sure he's accomplished much at the company. But consumers, especially coffee drinkers, aren't stupid. And with the price of coffee about double what it was in February of 2020, I don't think that there will be a lot of onslaught of people trying it just because they want to know what it tastes like, asked Dave Asprey. When Schultz came back to the company for the third time as CEO, he said it was temporary that the board expected to have a selected a new leader by the fall of 2022. No word on that yet. But as Schultz is faced with company lawsuits about discrimination, harassment, and union busting, I guess dreaming up Oleato takes his mind off more important issues than Starbucks needs to face. 
Tune into next week's TLR Live to hear an interview with a Starbucks employee that is one of the union organizers in Massachusetts to hear what he has to say that's going on at Starbucks. Sally, do we have any comments? We do, Phil. We've got a couple of comments from John Pandall today that I would like to share with you. Um, One of the things is he talks about the um, Harp House, which is a vegan fast food place near you, he says, by LAX. So um, maybe you should check that out, Phil. It's Kevin Hart. uh, That's Kevin Hart. Yes. Um, The Uh comedian Kevin Hart. Um, when, when he first opened up, um, we talked about it. I have not gotten there yet, John. I will. Good, good reminder. Yes. And then, and then one of other, one of John's other comments that I wanted to share with you is he talks about how we use pharmaceuticals to treat other types of addiction like smoking. Um, so why should we push back at using, um, a prescription for weight loss? He says more weight loss drugs, please. Well, John, you know, I I think if I look at um, smoking um, and the patches and so on, they're temporary to get you off of smoking. Um, I don't think, and I could be wrong, not being a smoker, that you've got to wear those for life. Uh, My concern about about these drugs is you've got to have them for life. And also, we don't know the side effects. You know, we talked a little bit about the side effects that some people are having, but they haven't done any studies for people who are not diabetic taking these drugs. And I think that before we roll them out, um, we need to have more studies that says, okay, here's a normally healthy person that just wants to have, you know, uh, 10 pounds or 15 or 20 pounds off, what's the long-term side effects? And to Sally's point earlier, I'd rather us, and John, you're in the produce business. I'd rather us, you know, change our behavior by eating more produce and, and really, you know, understand what we're eating versus taking, you know, a miracle pill that also, you know, costs, you know, ten, eleven thousand $11,000 a year. Uh, that's a lot of money. And if we look at obesity, and now about 70% of our population are, are either obese or overweight, um, a lot of that population can't afford 11 or 12 grand a year uh, for this drug for the rest of their lives. So this time, John, I'm going to disagree with you. Thanks. The Lemper Report is all about inspiring ideas, making our industry think and challenging each other. Let's think about being the shopper and how we can bring our supermarkets and restaurants closer to meet their needs. I hope you'll come back to join us on next week's installment of the Lemper Report Live, when we'll focus on the biggest and best insights and the things that really matter. Be sure to visit supermarketguru.com for the latest marketing analysis, issues, and trends. And don't forget to join us right back here next Monday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern for more.